Welcome to Insurance Uncovered, the first podcast to bring you insurance news and an inside perspective from thought leaders in the property casualty insurance industry. Insurance Uncovered is produced by the National Association of Mutual Insurance Companies. Hello, everyone. I'm Kathy Imus, and today we're uncovering pandemic risk, the economic plans senators are considering to deal with future pandemic crises. Plus, NAMIC's award in innovation. We talk with this year's overall winner about the company's creative approach to developing new and existing talent through the insurance industry pipeline. But first, some news from the nation's capital. In Washington, along with the usual heavy focus on legislation, NAMIC also has remained active on the federal regulatory front. The association's long-standing challenge to the Department of Housing and Urban Development's disparate impact rule was heard by a federal judge last week. And after eight years, and despite last week's oral arguments, it's not over yet. The judge requested supplemental briefs to be filed by NAMIC and the DOJ in August, after which he will issue his ruling. Separately, the association has submitted comments to the Federal Insurance Office providing the property casualty insurance industry's perspective on FIO's planned effort to update its study on auto insurance affordability. In submitted comments, NAMIC provided input on issues such as preserving risk-based pricing, minimizing duplicative data collection, respecting the state-based regulatory system, and industry efforts in the wake of COVID-19. The first Senate hearing examining frameworks to address future pandemic risk was held last week in Washington. It aims to develop economic plans to deal with future pandemic crises. Some of the prospective pandemic solutions focused on a new federal backstop for business interruption insurance. One of the key debates was over the extent to which property casualty insurers should be involved in such a pandemic solution. In this vein, several witnesses outlined how pandemics are fundamentally uninsurable because of the size, scope, and timing of their occurrence. One of those witnesses, University of South Carolina insurance professor Dr. Bob Hartwig, testified that no federal backstop program is needed. And I make this assessment based on numerous observations detailed in my written testimony related to the unquestionable success of existing, expanded, and new public policy approaches adopted during COVID and the complexity and the cost of any pandemic insurance program to be implemented. For example, massive fiscal stimulus in the form of $5.7 trillion in pandemic relief to date, coupled with the Fed's extraordinary efforts to keep interest rates low, have succeeded in delivering very substantial assistance to consumers, businesses, and entire industries. GDP growth has surged since the third quarter of 2020, and the unemployment rate has fallen precipitously. The question is therefore this, given the observed public policy successes to date, would the implementation of any of the current proposed pandemic programs lead to a discernibly superior outcome for businesses or the economy overall? Prior to the hearing, NAMIC submitted a written statement for the record, and we emphasize many of the same points. Marking NAMIC's first opportunity for association members to gather in person since the pandemic started, the association recently held its management conference in late June. And as is tradition at management conference, NAMIC recognized one of its members for their outstanding work in innovation. 
This year's overall award in innovation winner comes from none other than Hartford Mutual Insurance Group in Maryland. So on today's Unscripted, new NAMIC CEO Neil Aldrich sits down with Hartford Mutual CEO Steve Linkus to discuss the company's program to develop new and existing talent through the insurance industry pipeline. So we're talking about innovation today on Unscripted, and joining me for this segment is Steve Linkus, president and CEO of Harvard Mutual, and Steve's company is the winner of NAMIC's Award in Innovation this year. So Steve, let's talk a little bit about the project that brought you this award and your perspective on it and what may be next. So let's start in with the first question. Give us an overview of the project that brought you the award. Sure. And great to be here. Thank you. We're so honored with this award, Neil, and uh, we really see it as a confirmation of everything we have been doing. And, and really with this award, I think what's great about it, I'm, a lot of people in NAMIC know that I'm a tech guy. I started on the tech side of the house. So actually to win an innovation award that's not based on technology actually resonates with me even more so. So for us, we really just uh, looked at several years ago understanding that as part of our strategy to grow the company, this company that's been around since 1842, what are we going to need to do? And it's not going to be based on the current leadership team. It's going to be the next leadership team. Where are they coming from? Where are we finding them? How are we developing them? So we really put this pipeline and perpetuation initiative in place because we have to find that pipeline from colleges, from community college, even high school levels of bringing them into the company. But then we need to perpetuate them into different positions moving them up and often at the end have somebody that we can turn the keys to and say hey we've left this in a better place now go make it even better yeah that's fantastic uh, the industry is facing as we all hear and talk about you know talent gap issues and it's also I think interesting that that you all approach this innovation question not necessarily with you know a new system or a new thing that you can put your hands on from a technology perspective. I think the industry needs to broaden our thinking about what innovation really is. Uh, it's so true. And, and again, being a tech guy, a lot of people thought, well, Steve wants to hear a lot of tech things coming out of the company. And, and it really wasn't. It was saying, guys, look at what we're doing here at the company. What's the biggest return we can get by looking at things differently. So everybody's dealing with this problem. The things we've come to put together as part of this uh, innovation uh, initiative, um, people are doing. There's nothing robustly new about it. What we did was really package it all together and really have the leadership team itself that we've been developing help in growing it instead of the senior leadership's team saying, this is the way you should grow in our company, and then telling them to follow it. No, they put it together because they can look at it and say, well, here's where I'm deficient, or here's what I'd like to learn more about, or here's where I want to go and what's meaningful to, to us and, and group of people like ourselves. So yeah. I think that got the acceptance factor up. The other part of not making it a technology initiative I think the tech side scares people or they think, oh, well, I've got to come up with something flashy or a brand new app, or that's really for the IT department to put together. No, this is you looking at what you do on a daily basis when you walk in the door or if you walk into your dining room now to do your work and saying, how can I learn differently and grow in this company? Because I want to grow along with Hartford Mutual as it goes into the future. That's great. What's the reaction been internally? 
really wonderful. I think the biggest part is that our engagement score has just gone through the roof because, again, it started with the employees. It started with the emerging leaders and, and, and various groups that we had. So you immediately get that engagement. And what it also told them is that we trust you to put programs together. We want you to come to us to get guidance and counsel. But in the end, this is going to be your plan that sets you up for success. And so they saw that and they said, wow, they really do care about our company and and the employees that are going to run it going forward. So I think that just brightened it up. I think as well, and and I say this is where um, COVID really helped. You know, a lot of people say, oh, I you know, I, I want to do away with Zoom and everything else. And what we always try to look for is the opportunities. Well, where did the last year provide so many more opportunities? And one of the biggest ones for me as a CEO, I had more interactions with people I normally do not have interactions with because I don't walk in that area of the building or I just didn't happen to pass by. And now we're having these engagements and I have brand new employees I'm meeting with, interns I'm meeting with because I want to talk about the culture and the values of the company and tell them, hey, if that's not the company for you, if if, those cult- if that culture and values don't resonate with you, maybe there's another company for you. And they appreciate that honesty and just direct, hey, this is who we are. Hope you join us and love it here. And I think that's helped with our retention, you know, from that yeah. standpoint. So we've had many, many interns over the years. But what we're most successful in and proud of is the number that have converted and been part of the company. And now they're some of our biggest spokespeople when they go back to the colleges and universities and say, oh, you got to get with Harford Mutual. They really mean what they're saying. Yeah, that's terrific. It's uh, that culture that people sort of live becomes the most important thing Mm -hmm. um, from a corporate perspective. This industry has a penchant for numbers and measuring everything and metrics. This seems to be a project that maybe is a little harder to measure to some degree. I wondered if you guys have given thought about how you're sort of evaluating it internally. Yeah, so one of them was uh, our engagement. So we do every other year engagement scores. We we work with a company called DecisionWise where they go in and do anonymous polling of the employees. And we had a great score back in 2019 or 18, I guess it was. And we, we, we learned from that. We found where we could get some feedback and put some new things in place. And a lot of it then supplemented what we were doing with the pipeline and perpetuation initiative. And so the best way to measure that then was, okay, let's see what our engagement levels. And it jumped through the roof and DecisionWise gave us a global award because it had gone so high. So we're like, that gave us evidence the number of interns that we're able to keep. And because we've, we've looked at other companies, they get them in and they go someplace else, or maybe they stay a year or two. We still have them. And then we also track, well, they started as an intern, then a junior position. Where are they now? So we're tracking how many of them have moved into higher positions. We've also looked at our high potential. Everybody calls it something different, hypo group, high mm-hmm. potentials, leadership team. Uh, we've looked at that group as well. So this is where we've done specific training for them, brought in coaches for them, sent them to specialized training to help them, and then put them into this program. How many of them have moved into other positions? So it's one thing to say, hey, we're going to give you all this training. Oh, 
up, just stay in the position you are. But now over a five, six year period, how many of them have moved into positions of greater responsibility? So we look at that and more than half of them have moved into those. So we're picking the right folks, we're training them in the right way, and with the growth of the company, we're able to act, uh, give them and afford them more opportunities with different positions, maybe not even in the area they started at. Mm -hmm. We've had people that have started in claims and become business analysts or project leaders within IT because they bring that specialty with them and become a subject matter expert. That's, it's, it's something I suspect that other companies may uh, uh, pick your brain about oh, yeah. and see how it works with them because I know many in the industry are facing the same challenges and it's, it's just a great project and it's, it really sets an example for the industry um, to follow in many ways. So what do you think the next chapter of this is? I think it's just continuing to do uh, what we're doing. I think we have found a good system, and, and if it's not broke, keep it going. I think the uh, level of excitement and engagement we have from those various groups that are, are learning and, and moving forward have been hugely beneficial to the company. You know, so certainly going into 2020, we had plans to continue this, but we looked at it as, okay, we've got to figure out how to um, bring people back to the office at some point. We've got to figure out how to look at hybrid work at some point. And we're, we're as a leadership team, and we've got other things we've got to look at. Well, let's give it to the leadership group, the emerging leader group. Let's let them see what it takes to seemingly come up with you know, well, this shouldn't be too hard to figure out how to bring people back, but then put it into policies and procedures and guidelines mm -hmm. is a whole nother level that many of them have not understood. So I think, you know, in the past, they're like, why does management come up with these policies and procedures? Why do they have to do that? Well, now they realized it and they see, oh, that's a big area of management. So we've just looked for where are opportunities where we can say that doesn't need to be an executive leadership team responsibility. Let's give it to another group. And then we have found that has been hugely successful in their own development. So we're just going to keep looking for those opportunities. It's a, it's a wonderful program and, and something that I know, uh, I can tell you feel strongly about Very. it. And it, it, it must have made a difference in the company. And it's something that I'm glad NAMIC can recognize because it's a little different kind of project than yeah. other award and innovation winners yeah. have been in the past. So I hope it serves as a bit of a model for other members to think through and yeah. to uh, maybe potentially emulate. So, you know, Steve, diversity, equity, and inclusion issues are at the forefront of, of many things in the industry today, and they're important to NAMIC, they're important to our membership. Is there a diversity element to this program? It is, there, are, there is. There, um, we've looked at this in multiple ways. So when we, we started formalizing our DEI policy, so our tagline that we put together a couple years ago for the company when we rebranded was ensuring opportunity, playing on the word ensuring, but also opportunity. Because we knew when we put our strategic plan together, we couldn't just say, well, what's your goal? Well, to be bigger or more successful. No, there had to be meaning towards it. So how can we create more opportunity for our employees for our community, for our agents, our policyholders, and so that's what drives our strategic plan. So now, as we look at each group within the company, what are we doing within the leadership group? So we're making sure that there's diversity across that emerging leadership group, not just identifying those folks that are the standout crowd, but where are there opportunities for people to get engaged and feel, oh, I'm part of something. And I think that's really important. The fact that we have mentorship from the senior leadership team helps them feel I'm 
I'm somebody at mm-hmm. the company. I'm not just a member of this hypo group that only HR is dealing with, and, and that's been really beneficial. Where we've also done it is asking the leader, that high potential group, where can you identify where there's opportunity within the company for diversity, equity, and inclusion? So they were like, well, you just put this IDOC committee together, Inclusion, Diversity, Opportunity Committee. We're playing off the opportunity mm-hmm. again. And they said, well, you've said you want to give back to the community and drive change in diversity, equity, inclusion in the community as well. Why don't you put somebody on the on your community giving task force? So we're taking that feedback and they're saying that would be great. And they're identifying that person, not senior management identifying that person. So I think it is, again, understanding that change from the company is going to be best developed and accepted if it comes from within, not necessarily from the top, but it has to be supported by the top. They have to feel empowered. Steve's behind this. Jeff's behind it. Karen's behind it. The whole executive leadership team is behind it, and they want them to win. Yeah, that's, uh, I think, the critical piece of all of this. It does become something that everybody just lives in their daily lives and at work and, and it becomes part of their routine and their yep. thought process exactly. and then all of a sudden you look around the room and it's just part of everything you do yep and that's a that's, that's what all of us i think strive for exactly uh, for certain well again steve thank you today for joining us on the unscripted section of the podcast and for those listeners uh, this is my first uh, uh, attempt at hosting it so uh, appreciate your suffering through this with me uh, and we look forward to the award uh, uh, winners and we look forward to seeing what's next thanks well, steve well i'm again glad to be here and congratulations to you neil you know being the next president and CEO of NAMIC and being part of that process of identifying you and moving you forward in all the years that I've worked for you. Just so excited for where you're going to take the organization and lead the association to the future and and happy and proud to be by your side as you do it. Thank you, Steve. You bet. Before we wrap up this episode of Insurance Uncovered, I wanted to give a shout out to our Diamond Level sponsors. So a big thank you goes out to Charter Diamond sponsor Jen Ree, as well as to Diamond sponsor Guy Carpenter. Your support means the world to us. We'll be back again on August 11th with more insurance news and interviews. So until next time, I'm Kathy Imus. Have a great day.